Sunday night, let's go. Right, so my name's Ethan. Uh, big welcome if you're new. Um, just gonna, so I don't trip over. So yeah, shoulders of giants. Um, I was thinking about it, and I was like, who can I do? I thought about Eminem, I don't know if you guys know who he is. And I, I generally pondered this, and I actually watched Eight Mile last night. I was like, man, I could really tie this in. Uh, probably not ideal, but his life like, is actually phenomenal. From where he took it and where he is now, it's actually crazy. I was like, I probably shouldn't do that. So we're going to this guy called Elijah. There's Elijah and Elijah. I'm talking about Elijah. I don't know if you actually heard a difference then, but there was. And he's found in the first Kings. And so, yeah, we're just gonna, I'm going to pray and we're going to get into it. Hopefully it's not too boring. And, yeah, it's, let's get excited. <laughs> So Lord, we just, um, yeah, we lift up this time to you, and we just ask that you, you speak through me and turn this, what I have, ordinary message into something that can change people's hearts and minds, and people leave their change, and we, we learn something from Elijah, and yeah, just open this book up and make it come alive to us, in Jesus' name. So I'm involved at the, in the youth ministry a little bit, I intern there, <laughs> Yeah, Michael. That was a youth pastor. Um, and there was one time I actually got, I got asked to go and grab some eggs and a rubbish, some rubbish bags. And if you've, if you've been to youth, you've heard the story before, but it just fat, fitted again. So don't judge me for that. So I was, on the, I was in Countdown looking for these eggs, and these eggs have moved. I don't know where, like a couple of aisles over, and it took me a while to find them. I don't know why they just moved, just leave things where they are. But anyway, and I found them, I found the rubbish bags, and I started making my way out. And then I seen someone I know, that's a classic sort of supermarket thing, you see someone you knew, and I kind of didn't really want to talk to this person, so I sort of just put my head down and aimed for the self-checkouts and went to the self-checkouts. And I don't know about the self-checkout things, when they first came out, they were really annoying. Like, you sort of do your pushing your buttons, you don't really know what's going on, then you mess up, and then you've got to wait half an hour for the lady to come over and help you, and then you can get out of there. I could have just got a couple more like fast checkouts going on. But now I don't mind them, like I'm pretty quick. I reckon I'm probably quicker than the actual people that work there, but that's all right. <laughs> we'll carry on. So yeah, I pay for my things, and I'm out of there, into the car. And then I sort of think to myself, maybe I should actually be talking to her because I didn't really want to talk to her because I hadn't talked to her for years and my life's changed heaps. I didn't really want to like, talk, to, talk to her about what I'm up to because I'm studying the Bible and she was just going to judge me and I don't want to be judged. And So I just didn't do it and sort of felt like God maybe saying that I want you to go talk to her. And at the same time that Wednesday night I was speaking and I was speaking about the Good Samaritan and how we probably should go out and tell people about God and help people and all that kind of thing. So I was kind of pretty convicted in my car, just sort of like trying to build up courage to go do it. I was like, all right, I'll do it. So I opened the door and shut the door and started making my way. I was like, all right, I'll probably catch her. Hopefully she's still there. And I see her paying. I'm like, oh, sweet. And I was, can't just walk straight up to her. That would be a little bit, a little bit abroad, a bit, a bit weird. So I was like, all right, I'll just sit outside and then wait for her to walk past. And I'll be like, hey, how's it going? Yeah, and I was like, Probably this in my head. I was like, she'll probably just think I'm stalking her. Like, have you been waiting there the whole time? I was like, no, I haven't. But so I was like, okay, that's not a bad idea. And then I was like, all right, I'll just wait for her to start coming out. And when I see her start coming out, 
then I'll just start walking in. I've already been in there, so I don't actually need to go in there. But I was like, all right, it'll just work good. So I was like, oh, how's it going? And then we just start talking, have my yarn. I walk back in, and I'm like, I don't actually need to be in here. So I leave, and I was hoping she didn't see me walk back to my car, because that would have even been more weird. And the reason I bring that story up is because Elijah, he has to talk to a king. And I just wonder if did Elijah do the same thing as me, or was he just some superhuman man that didn't really care about his feelings and could just do whatever he wanted? But to give a bit of context of what was going on, we see Elijah, he's a prophet. Now, a prophet was to keep a king's, like, what they're up to in line. So there's sort of like some rules they needed to follow. And if they were breaking them, Elijah would come up, or a prophet would come up and be like, you need to sort of sort your life out, girl, and carry on. So Ahab, this king of the time, he's basically introduced as the worst king there has been. And it's been, been pretty, pretty bad kings. And so we get introduced to this guy called Elijah. And we just literally get introduced to this dude. He just like, this is Elijah from Tishabite. He's a Tishabi kind of thing. That's all we know of him. And he just goes up and says, there's going to be a drought. See you later. And the king and this queen called Jezebel, the Jezebel, Jezebel she was kind of running the show. I'm not going to go there. And we can carry on. And so they wanted to kill Elijah. So Elijah, God told Elijah to run and hide by a river in a forest. So Elijah does that. So he does that. He has some water. And he gets fed by ravens. Now, I think sometimes we skim over the Bible, like fed by, raven, fed by ravens. Oh, that's so cute. Like, like why not doves or something? Like, why, why ravens? And then we, like, we look more into the Bible and we see there's this time um, Jesus is hanging out with disciples and this lady rocks in and she pours perfume on Jesus' feet and starts drying it with her hair. Like, that's weird stuff. Like, I think we overlook the Bible a little bit because ravens are still pretty weird. They're not a really nice bird. And, but when I read this, I sort of picture, like, the ravens flying over. <laughs> and they've got, like, a big piece of steak in their mouth. And then there's two other ravens behind them just carrying, like, a piece of bread each so you can make a sammy. And that's sort of what I look when I read this sort of stuff. But I think we need to some, sort of, like, look into what ravens actually did. And they just put, picked up scraps. And really, he just got fed by scraps, not a chunk of meat and pieces of bread. And anyway, we'll carry on. And Elijah, then the, the water runs up, and God tells Elijah to move on. And I need you to go to this widow, and she's going to help you live. Meanwhile, this is in the drought. Like Elijah said, there's going to be a three-year drought. And he gets there, and he says to this widow, I need you to make me a cake. And she's like, well, I've only got like meal for like one more food, and then we're going to die. Like We're running out of food. And he's like, well, make me this cake, and then God's going to keep filling up your meal and your water. Like you're not going to run out until the drought is over. And this widow does that. I don't know why, but she does it. She doesn't actually believe in the God that Elijah believes in. She believes in another God. And then at the same time, this widow's son like, falls asleep or dies. 
and she cries out to Elijah, why have you done this? This is you, you and your God's fault. And then Elijah cries out to God saying, like, why have you done this? Like, bring this guy back to life. And he comes back to life. And he carries the son down to the, to the widow and all is happy. And then she believes in this God. And then at the same time, just after this, God says to Elijah, oh, I want you now to go back to Ahab and tell him that the drought is about to finish. So he's off his way again. So what we're, now we've seen him get fed by birds, people come back to life, and now he's going back to this, this king, this Ahab. And what this whole debate thing was over was Ahab, well, Jezebel, we'll say Jezebel because she was running the show. Jezebel brings in this new god. And it's called Baal or Baal. And what happened is that they started worshipping this Baal. And this Baal god was sort of the king of the, the rain, fire, thunder, gave life to everyone and like supplied everyone food. Like that was that, what that god held. So the whole idea of this whole drought thing was to show like, no, no, Yahweh's the god and your god is a fake, like he's an intruder. So that's why the whole drought thing is going on. Like there was a reason why there was a drought. Like, it wasn't just like a random drought. Like, there was a reason why God chose a drought. So Elijah's coming back up to, to Ahab, and then Ahab sees Elijah, and Ahab's like, oh, look at you. It's the trouble of Israel. Look what you've done to this place. And Elijah says, it's not me that's done this. It's you because of, you're not following what Yahweh wants. You're trying to bring in these, these false gods, and you're trying to live your, your, another way. And it's not me. It's you that have done this. And then they want to settle the score with like a god off. So there's like Baal and his prophets, and they have an altar, and then Elijah, he has his altar, and they have some meat and some wood on there, and the Baal prophets start like praying for Baal to ignite this altar on fire, and nothing was happening. So they start doing like ritual dances, did a little research, I sort of put their hands up and sort of jumped around and just like, I don't, and then they just started cutting themselves, and they just started getting real into it, like real ritual, and nothing happened. And then Elijah was just prayed, prayed to Yahweh and he's like, and then the fire just consumed everything. But what happened is Elijah actually got people to dig out more of the trench and just like loaded it with water. So no one could actually think it's like trickery. Like it was literally, it was God. Like I couldn't do anything. Like it was some supernatural stuff going up in here. So that's what happened. And everything just disappeared. The rock, the water, the meat, the wood, everything. And then when everyone seen that, they started worshipping Elijah's God, Yahweh, the God that we worship. And then Elijah's told to go up into the mountains and he prays for the drought to finish. And he tells his servant to go up and look over into the distance and can you see any clouds, can you see anything coming? Seven times this happens and he says, oh, like I see a, a cloud the size of a hand and it's coming up. And Elijah's like, oh, the drought's about to finish. Like, right there again, if I seen a cloud the size of a hand, you'd think it's just going to burn off and it's going to be a nice day. But Elijah had this faith that it was going to finish, that the drought was over. And he told people to go back to their homes because they don't want to get stuck. And then while this is happening, Ahab, the king, goes back and tells Jezebel what's happened. And Jezebel sends a messenger to Elijah saying, I'm going to kill you. And Elijah 
says, it says Elijah was afraid and he ran away. This is the bit I don't really get. Why would a Jezebel send a messenger? That doesn't make any sense. If you really wanted to kill him, you wouldn't warn him. That doesn't make any sense. And why would you run when you've seen what God has done in your life? He's provided for you. You've just seen him bring fire and consume rock and water and everything. I think what Jezebel was trying to do was just trying to scare him. So I think she knew he couldn't kill him, but if she could just scare him, maybe he would leave. And then he did. He ran and he hid under a, a tree and he asked God to, to kill him. He's like, I'm done. I don't, can't live anymore. Like, take my life. Like, I'm no better than my ancestors. And in this, I just, I'm like trying to use my imagination a little bit because I'm like, why would you, I'm trying to figure this out. Why would you run? And I came to this thought of maybe he assumed things. Like we do, we assume things. Like if I do this and if I keep going, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see something happen. We have expectations. I wonder if Elijah had expectations. Like if everyone sees what this God does, people will change. I won't have any conflict with Jezebel anymore. But that's not what happened. See, his expectations that he had were wrong. And I wonder, do we put our expectations that we have onto God? We're like, oh, I messed up. God, I messed up. You know, I fell short. And we put our expectations onto God when they're not God's expectations, but they're our expectations. See, God, I think, is just happy for us just to do what he wants and try and do what he is asking us to do. I think he's happy with that. But it's our expectations that we put on our own lives. And then when our expectations fail, we start to get discouraged. And in this discouragement, I think he runs. See, it's in our discouragement where we start to not see things straight and we start to listen to these lies that we get told in our heads. What I love about God, though, is that he sees that Elijah has reigned. But God's not angry with him. He's not trying to rebuke him, saying that you haven't lived up to my expectations, you're a disappointment. But he sends an angel to feed him, to give him rest, to build him back up again. One thing I think Elijah messed up on is that he left his servant behind. He left his friend behind. He left the one that could probably speak a little bit of truth into his life and give him a bit of more perspective of what's going on. And then we see God ask him, what are you doing here? Elijah, what are you doing here? He says, well, everyone's turned. No one's changed. The Israelites have started worshipping Baal again, and I'm the only one left. And then we see this next scene, and he ends up at a cave. He's still, he's still going away, but I think what happens, he ends up on his mount. I think he's still trying to, trying to find God, but still trying to run away from the place that he's been discouraged in. I think sometimes in our lives, we can get discouraged in things, and we, we sort of just push that to the side. Oh, maybe that wasn't the right thing, or maybe I'm doing it all wrong, and we start focusing on something else. Elijah was in this cave, and he hears a voice saying, come outside, I'm about to pass by. 
And then we see mighty winds and earthquakes breaking rocks and fire and lightning. And it says that the Lord wasn't in that. God was not in all those signs, but it was in the sheer silence. Carries on a little bit longer and he, God asks the same question. What are you doing here, Elijah? See, there's times that we've been discouraged in. Can we see ourselves as Elijah running away from those things? Trying to get as far as away as possible. Like, I can't do this anymore, God. Like, I, I thought I, if I was going to do this, I would have seen this happen, but that hasn't happened. And then we start, to, we start to get back on track. We start to follow God, but we sort of start to still move past what God's actually wanting us to go back to. And we start to ignore it still. And God's asking, what are you doing here? So I had, I had these other things I needed you to do, but you've, you've gone the wrong way and I just need you to turn around. So you, God says to him, just, can you get back up and can you go back? So I wonder if there's things in our lives where we've run away from that we've been discouraged in, dreams, callings. And we've, we've lived this life and we've sort of felt like it's not going where we think it should be going. And God just, he's rested you now and he's fed you now and he actually wants to get you to stand back up and go back to what you've dreamed about. So I believe God is great and we can't really put words to describe this God. But if this God's so great and so amazing and we're his creation, then there must be a slight of greatness inside of us. And I believe God wants to ignite that. He wants to, we look at these giants and we think, ah, like I'm not really called to that and you might not be called to bringing fire down and burning up an altar, but we've all got certain stages in our lives that we can be a part of and help people. Elijah went to a widow's house and that life got changed because of what Elijah believed in. So I reckon God wants us to keep moving. There's more for us to do. I just wonder if the band could come up. So I don't. I, I know there's someone in this room that this message was for, because I didn't even feel like doing this. I wanted to run away. Like it's hard to get up here. Or is there something that you can look at and you've, you know that you've, you've run away from that because you felt discouraged in that and God's trying to pull you back into that and says, I need, I need you to go back to that because there's still more for you to do. See, God says to Elijah, See, I need you to anoint these, these kings. I need you to anoint this prophet. Like I've still got more things for you to do. Go and be a prophet. Be what I've called you to be. I think so often we get caught up in our discouragement that I haven't fulfilled these expectations.
And we see Elijah, and he does some more amazing miracles in this book, and he ends up getting taken off in a chariot of fire, and he doesn't even die. Right? But we can, look at, we can look at these giants, and we can, we can see them, but we can't see our lives doing what they did. The same God that Elijah serves is the same God that we serve. Same God that we've seen all these amazing miracles is the same God that we serve. I hear people say, like, I want to see amazing things and I want to see the impossible happen, but how are we going to see the impossible happen when we don't even step into that, when we don't even try and walk into that? So in this final song, if you want to worship, if you want to talk to God, see if you can hear him. See if you can see him nudging you where he wants you to go back or go to. So Jesus, we just thank you for Elijah's life. As this this life can get hard and we can get into the self-pity and the self-doubt that we are not good enough and you say we are good enough, you just want to pick us back up and heal us and feed us and give us rest and say, keep going, there's more for you to do. God, can we step into that? Can we know that there is more for us to do? Can you highlight what that is, what that looks like? Because it's all going to look different for every single one of us. Can you ignite that greatness inside of us? Can we understand that that God that Elijah served is the same God that we serve today. The same miracles that he's seen we can see today. It's the same God. In Jesus' name.